Gather round. It's time to pick the draft order. So, this is how we're going to do it. I spent a lot of time, put a lot of effort into it, got very excited. So, that'll go over there. This Everyone is your... on the count of three, put your hand in, pull out a piece of paper. Here we go. One, two, three. Oh, oh, wow. There it this is. This is really exciting. Number oh, four. Number six. Number one. Number one. <laughs> Tim Brady, mother Congratulations. <laughs> but that is not where you're going to be drafting. See the kids over there? The kid with your number is your kid. Where they finish in the race is where you draft. Huh, bitches? You, you didn't even pick your own child. That's good because she's not that fast. Welcome to DFT, Dynasty Football Talk Podcast with my guys, Paul Edgington and Derek Cook. Let's get it. Ben, I'm your host, Paul Edgington, here with my co-host, Derek Cook. Derek, how are you doing tonight? Doing pretty good. We're uh, switching up a little bit this week because you just got back from Texas, so we're not watching our Monday night football like we have been the past couple weeks, but it's nice to still be here, even though it's a day later. How was your trip to Texas? Oh, it, was, it was wonderful, except for the heat. Really fucking hot. Sweated my ass off every day I was there. Other than the heat, it was a good trip. Got direct flights to and from, so traveling was a breeze with the direct flights and all that good stuff. It was a good trip. I'm happy to be back home, though. I'm glad to hear you had a good time. Definitely clutch on you know direct flights not having any layovers, because some layovers can be a pain in the ass. Yeah, and the last time we flew, unfortunately, we did have layovers on both of them, so this time having direct flights was like a whole new world. <laughs> totally different. On to our first segment of the show, something we'll be kicking off every show with. Just the trading segment. Trades that Derek and I Derek and I have performed in our leagues over the past week, or other trades in our leagues that we felt were at least worth a discussion. Uh, the first trade this week was actually a trade of mine. I shipped off CEH with the hype going on around him, as well as a twenty-three third and fourth. For Jameson Williams and a 23-5th. On this particular team, I am rebuilding this season. Hopefully the contend next season. So I do have Joe Burrow and T-Law as my quarterbacks. So I'm somewhat set there. Just trying to find some other pieces to build around them. And I do have two 23-1st. One which is mine. That would likely be the 101. Or at worst, the 103. Derek, you're also in this league. What do you think of that trade? Honestly, I think it's a great move. Anytime you can capitalize on, you know, CEH's value climbing because of what he's done in the first two weeks, I think it's a great move. And then, you know, you and I are both pretty good fans of Jameson Williams. We always talk about cream, cream rising to the top, and I think that happens there. Although Jared Goff's looked fairly competent this year so far. Yeah, surprisingly, huh? I'm, I am surprised, you know, but... He did go to the Super Bowl with Sean McVay, so... Yeah, we thought it was all McVay, but turns out just a little bit of golf. Golf might... he He's serviceable, don't get me wrong. I don't think he's as bad as people thought he was when he got traded to Detroit, but I also don't think he's as good as what people thought he was when he went to the Super Bowl with McVay either. Hmm. But no, I, I do like this trade. Um, you know, a, you're getting back a fifth, which to me is useless. And then you're trading away CEH a third and a fourth. You know, the third might have some value if you're thinking of a dark guy in the third. Um, but personally, I don't I don't think there's really any value there. So really, it's kind of like a Jameson Williams for CEH, almost straight-up type deal. I think it's great. Uh, CEH, you know, 
you and I have talked several times. We like Pacheco a lot. I don't think he's going to be the guy this year, but I definitely think that he'll be the guy probably next year. And Jamison Williams missing out this year probably helps your team a lot more this year to mm-hmm. productive struggle tank to the 101, whatever, however you want to say it. You know, so I think it's an awesome trade for you. Yeah. I would have done the same thing. Yeah, going back to golf a little bit. Uh, right now, he is the QB nine in fantasy, so definitely more than serviceable in fantasy. And that offense looks pretty damn good so far. So maybe he is someone that you actually might want to roster in superflex QB two at least with the way he's going right now. And nice I know the same round too. And that offensive line, I think, is severely underrated. I think it's stout from left to right. Sewell, Glass now in there at center. You're not going to find many better offensive lines that protect your quarterback. No, it's definitely, I would say it's at least a top 10 offensive line. So Jared Goff's got his work cut out for him that way. And then he does have weapons. I mean, either way you look at it, you got DeAndre Swift. Uh, uh, James Williams isn't even out there yet. So, But you got an Amon Ra. And then I, I'm a big TJ Hawk person myself. And then um, was it Jamal Williams too? Yep. So, yeah. I mean, he's he's got the weapons there. I mean, he he's doing good. I'm, I'm glad to see it, you know. Yeah, since you did bring up the Sun God, what do you think of his start to this season? I know you weren't the highest on him coming into this season, but has he changed your mind at all, climbed up your rankings maybe? Uh, he's definitely climbed up my rankings a little bit this year. It's nice to see him continue on his, you know, hot streak of last year. Um, you know, he's very productive, but it's, you know, I, I would like to see what he still does when he's, got other guys out there with him. Like, to me, Jamison Williams is going to be the one. Jamison Williams is going to take the, the deep balls and take the, you know, the top off the defense. And St. Brown could still, you know, be very productive, you know, running them intermediate to short routes. Um, but, I, I mean, he's definitely raised in my rankings, but I'm still not a super believer, but it's, it's hard to, to bet against him when he's done what he's done so far this season. Yeah, absolutely. He does look really good, and I think he's – proving most of the fantasy community wrong so far that he can be a very solid wide receiver too if not better with people around him or with not people I know the knock last year was well there's no Hawk there's no DeAndre Swift so that's why he's putting up these big numbers well there's Hawk and Swift this year Swift is putting up pretty good numbers as well plus there's DJ Chark on the other side of him who's no slouch in his own right so I think in general, the fantasy community, we unfortunately got this one wrong with Amon Ra. So it is nice to see him performing well. Gives us another target to go out there and acquire, which I'm sure mostly his price is outrageous right now. I don't think he's going to keep up this pace all season, of course. So hopefully over the next month, maybe he'll have a dud or two and there'll be a buy window that we can all hop in there and get on to him before he starts being consistently, you know, 15 PPR points a game. Like you said, his market value right now is probably absolutely stupid. I wouldn't try and buy him right now. Um, but, yeah, like you say, you know, he'll, I'm sure he'll put up some stinker games compared to what he's doing. It'd be easy to, considering what he's done in two weeks. Um, so, you know, like you say, that buy window I'm sure will be coming. And for sure I was on the same side as most of the Dynasty community when it came to him. Uh, I thought that it was just, you know, kind of a – he was reaping the benefits of being the only option. And I was wrong. Most of us were wrong. But, you yeah, know, I you, you can't in, always be right. Of course not. But I had him in a couple places last year, and I was in the same boat. 
I sold him while he was hot. Now I wish I wouldn't have sold him, honestly. I mean, I'd much rather have him back now than the first or couple of second rounders that I got for him in January and February. I'd much rather have him right now. Yeah, I mean, if you sold him after last year, like you say, you probably didn't get anywhere what he's worth or going at right now. Um, I, I personally would probably rather have him than any pick or trade you made for him uh, last year because he's definitely looking like a bona fide you know, wide receiver too. Absolutely. On to another trade I made, actually the same league, just a couple of days later. I uh, shipped off Tony Pollard, and these trades are all done before the week two games that kicked off. So I shipped off Tony Pollard, and I got in return Cam Akers and Jordan Mason for the 49ers. I'm a big Cam Akers guy. I just can't quit him. I know the Achilles, and he hasn't looked the best. But I was high on Pollard, and then some games I see him play, and I just think, why the hell am I so high on him? So I decided to get the points off my team there with Akers struggling. Rather take another share of Akers, throw another dart at him, see if he becomes something, and starts to look better as he's playing more and more this season. So I, again, with a rebuilder, I definitely felt this was a really good trade for me. I still think Akers has top 10, top 12 producing upside. I read the other day that McVay, for his running back by committee, he likes to traditionally do an 80-20 split. So if you're his guy, you're still in a committee, but not as big of a committee as most other teams. So if Akers is the guy, fully healthy, looking good, somewhat like his old self before he got injured, I'll take those 80% splits with him all day long. I think it's a good trade for you, like you said, and I know this the guy that you traded with is definitely a win now team, so Pollard is a great get for him. You know, you'll take your boom and bust games with Pollard, you know. And you said before that he hadn't you know, did it was before week two. He kinda went off week two, so he I'm sure he was able to utilize him. And I, I know that you're a Cam Akers homer. You have been, you were from day one. I was too until the injury. Um, I know you held in, on to him in any league you had him and you didn't sell when the originally originally happened. Uh, you and I, <clears throat> I think, are on opposite ends of the fence when it comes to the Cam Akers thing now, though. I, I think that Henderson's the guy, but that's something we can talk about later. I still think this is a great trade for you. If Cam Akers is your guy and you think that he could be the guy on the 80% side of that running back committee, I think it's great, and going running back by committee, we we know there's only two there for the Rams. Most teams, there's three, and we know Cam Akers is that third down back. He's going to get the receiving work. So I think it's a good trade for you. And Mason, you know, kind of being a dart throw, why not take it? I do have Elijah Mitchell on that team as well, so balances out a little bit there. But, again, I'm rebuilding, so I'm not looking at what is Akers going to do for me in 22. <clears throat> I'm trying to project what I think he's going to be in 23. Right. Now, a lot of people seem to not look at it that way. A lot of people still look at the, what he's going to do for you in 22, even if you are a non-contender. I don't care what he does for me in 22. He can go out there and shit the bed the rest of the year, get another offseason of work in, get more experience and playing time, come back in 23 and look a lot better, which is what I'm hoping <clears throat> for. Obviously, this past week he had, I believe, 10.5 points, had 15 carries, a couple receptions. So not the best week efficiency-wise, but he was fed a good amount, and he played 44% of the snaps. So he was out there almost half the time, 
especially after his dud in week one. I didn't think he'd be on the field that much or get that much work in the first place. Yeah, I think week one he only had three touches. Last week he had 15 carries for 44 yards, which is about 2.9 yards per carry, and then he had two catches for 18 yards. I know Henderson only had 10 touches, and those are all on the ground. Henderson was way more efficient. He had almost 50 yards, but, you know, volume. Akers got the volume, so I can't be mad at that. You know what we all say. Fantasy volume is king. It's what everyone wants. Volume, volume, volume. Yeah, volume's good, but I think there's a fine line there. We'll have that discussion later, though. But in the same league, actually, the same gentleman that I made this trade with, I believe you said he had a trade offer for you prior to making this deal with me. Oh, yes. Um, this Yes, the same guy. So he offered me Matthew Stafford, Cam Akers, Rex Burkhead and Cortland Sutton for my Derek Carr, Leonard Fournette, Gabe Davis, and a 23 third. <clears throat> Personally, I don't think it's a bad start off because he, you know, he did say that like this is the start off the discussions of trades. I don't think it's necessarily a a bad deal, but with my team makeup, my team is extremely win now. I, you know, I have Aaron Rodgers as my QB one, which isn't panning out very good right now, anyways. But he's old, you know, I'm thinking I might have him for this year, next year. I'd be lucky if another year after that. And then, you know, getting a guy like Matthew Stafford, who's also not looking too hot this year. Again, maybe two, three years left. So I'd be replacing my top two quarterbacks in the next three years. I'd have to be, I mean, I am win now, you know, contender team right now. But I would have a hard time replacing two quarterbacks in three years and be productive. It, I just, to me, it, it was a, a hell no. And then I'm not... I'm not a Cam Akers stand like you, so to me, I'd rather take the Leonard Fournette, get my points this year, because to me, this would probably put me back a bit. And Gabe Davis, if I were to sell him, I'd already done it when his market value was high in the offseason after he finished the season last year when they lost with four touchdowns. I like Cortland Sutton. I think Russell Wilson definitely, you know, gives him better upside than Gabe Davis, but I don't, it, it's not an enticing trade to me. Yeah, I mean, me personally, I think Carr finishes inside the top 10 this year, and I think he finishes ahead of Stafford. Plus, he's, what, two, three, maybe four years younger than Stafford. He also got the big contract extension. And the weapons. And the weapons. You know, Waller was extended. Adams came in, was extended. I believe Renfro was extended. Or I know they put aside money to extend him if they haven't already. So you got three very good weapons already there. I don't think they are too far off from the weapons that Stafford has in L.A. You know, of course, Cup. But Cup and Adams, flip a coin in my opinion. I'd rather have Adams personally. I think he's the better football player overall. But in your shoes, I definitely would decline that as well. Stafford has the elbow, or excuse me, the non-elbow issue, quote-unquote, that they're saying. But he hasn't looked that great either. Acres does you no good on a contender. Sutton and Davis, depending on where you're at with the players, could be a wash. I like Davis more than Sutton. I think he's proved it not for very long, but he's proved he does have the rapport with Josh Allen and has a very big role in that offense. You know, the the pick, and whatever. I know this guy, he has no draft capital, so that's probably just a throw-in for him. So I'm with you. I would have declined that as well in your situation. I couldn't 
have a team right now with Aaron Rodgers and Stafford as my top two quarterbacks trying to win a title. Hopefully Rodgers turns the ship around, which I'm sure he will. It's Aaron fucking Rodgers. He always does, at least for fantasy-wise. He's just got to figure out who his wide receiver one is, and I don't think he's got that figured out yet. I think he'll end up being Lazard in the end, so having him come back this past week was nice. The offense looked immensely better. Than against the Vikings, yeah. They, they at least were able to move the ball. And the Bears' defense isn't the best, but it's not the worst either. They're right there in the middle of the road. So it's not like they played a slouch of a defense. You, your bitter rival, you know you better than anyone else. So it was nice to see Lazard come back. Sammy Watkins looked pretty good again. But I think I saw Romeo Dobbs and Christian Watson were the leading target getters for the team coming into this week. Obviously, that wasn't a good sign. But you know, Lazard and Watkins are healthy going forward. I think Rodgers can turn it around and still be himself. At least finish as a high-end, sorry, low-end QB1, high-end QB2 at worst. And on this team, I would be, I would hope that he'd be like a low-end QB1, and he very well could be. Uh, I think this past week, Sammy Watkins finally had his, you know, a little bit of that game that normally he starts off the year with where he's got 150 yards and a couple touchdowns. Granted, he didn't have a couple touchdowns, but he had, I think, seven receptions for 93 yards. You know, so at least least he's competent. Yeah. Um, But exactly everything you said, you know, Matt Stafford, he's definitely got something going on with that arm because he's looked like hot dog shit. And then, you know, yeah, like you said, coin toss between Davis and Sutton. I'd rather take Davis because his potential is higher. That Bills defense looks fucking nasty. Oh, yeah. Josh Allen is doing whatever the hell he wants. I'd give me Davis. I cannot wait to see them in the Dolphins play. That is going to be explosive. Fucking shootout. Yes. Uh, one last trade here. Didn't involve neither Derek or I. Just went down in the league that we actually started up this year. So side A received <coughs> Russell Wilson, Jalen Waddle, Travis Etienne, and a 23 second, while giving away to side B, Dak Prescott, and Jonathan Taylor. Now, what are your initial thoughts on this trade? I mean, that, that's a lot to take in because you've got some big pieces in there. Uh, Jalen Waddle, I mean, he just had a fucking hell of a game, almost 200 yards and two touchdowns. Russell Wilson hasn't looked good, but Dak Prescott is hurt, so give me Wilson. And then ETN uh, hasn't looked too hot this year. I'm sure at some point or another he, you know, might be all right. Uh, Jonathan Taylor is, is Jonathan Taylor, you know. I don't is, is he running back one right now? I don't believe so. He's, this he's, past he's, week, he, he is a RB one though, right? Yeah. I mean, but he's still dynasty RB one. Mm-hmm. You know, I, it's it's a lot to take in, but I mean, again, this trade was made before this week two game started as well. Right, right. So you know, you you don't know what Jalen Waddle's doing, and but Dak Prescott was already was already hurt. Already hurt. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I guess it completely depends on, or it could depend on team makeup. But I think I'm going Russell Wilson side all day long, to be honest. Yeah, I think I am too. Russ and Dak, their age is not that far apart for I me to like lead three, I think Dak. they're only like three years apart. Dak's 32 and I think Russ, or Russ is 32 and Dak's 29. Yeah. And Dak's hurt again. I mean, ETN, don't, not too high on him currently with the way he's been performing. Really been a disappointment, but James Robinson looks very good. So, I mean, what are you going to do? And the Jaguars are winning. Yeah. 
So Christian Kirk looks like a pretty good fucking signing for them. Right. I think he's wide receiver seven currently. Yeah, that Who would have thought that, that was all happen. that extra money they spend on him? People were dog walking him for it, but it's looking pretty fucking good right now. Yeah, T Law's finally got his man to throw to. Uh, second round pick, obviously very good in the next upcoming class. Love Waddle, even before the explosive game, him and it. they have that connection. It's been proven they, they went for to college. a year. They went to college together. The, the thing about this trade that I'm not understanding really is the guy getting Dak is also getting JT. So is he going for it? Is he sitting on the bench trying to wait for next year? Or is he trying to be the middle of the pack and see what happens or what? I mean, if I'm taking on Dak, I'm not looking to get the a running back, especially one like JT. No, I, I definitely... I think you're definitely on the right track with that. You know, Jonathan Taylor is a definitive win-now piece. You know, he's RB1. His value is astronomical. He's probably, if not the highest top three, highest-priced guys in Dynasty right now. And then Dak Prescott, you know, you you know, he's going to be, what, out eight eight weeks? Maybe all, all less. Year? Maybe coming back in the next two or three weeks, I'm seeing oh, good old really? Jerry Jones talking. Yeah, they didn't put him on IR. So they're confident that he'll be back. Because when you go on IR, you have to miss four four games at least. Yep. Okay. So they seem confident that he'll be back within four games. Uh, Jerry said the other day he thinks he'll come back against, I forget the two opponents, but I know it's the Giants or someone else. Worst case scenario is what Jerry Jones said. And that's like two, three weeks out? Mm -hmm. Did he, he had hand surgery? Yeah, he had surgery on his right thumb, of course, his throwing hand. But I did misspeak. It was actually Stephen Jones that said all this. He could be back by game three or four, so as early as this upcoming week on, I believe, Monday Night Football against the Giants. That Stephen Jones thinks he could be back pending his recovery. I feel like that's very aggressive given an injury to your throwing thumb. No, I for sure think so. I thought... I swore that when I saw the injury report when it first happened that they were talking about him missing like a month or two. I swore it was like six to eight weeks. Cause so it was. They were talking yeah. about hand surgery. And is it the same injury that Russell Wilson had last year? Is it something very similar? I think it's very similar, yeah, where it's, Russ had that splint on for a little while. Yeah, yeah. and, and but Russ, is, was it on his throwing hand too? Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, very, I would say, comparable injuries. I don't, I don't see what the rush would be to get him back. You know, especially without having weapons. I mean, you've just got CD and Schultz. Because you're the Dallas fucking Cowboys. You've well, got to win. I think that they are being awfully pushy Op- optimistic. and optimistic to get him back that quick. Because well, they lost, what, Connor McGovern, mm-hmm. Tyron Smith's out. I think that's all they've lost so far. But I saw Schultz had an injury. That's non-serious, even though it was a knee injury. CD hasn't looked great. Not like what we're expecting. He looked better this past week than the week than week one, which is saying a lot considering Cooper Rush was the quarterback. But yeah, he's he's definitely not living up to top five dynasty wide receiver. No, I mean it's just the Cowboys. They want to win. Jerry Jones wants to win now. God damn it! Got to get my guy back. Well, I'm sure they want to win right now. They've got to, they're spending a fuck ton of money on on some of them guys. You know, I I get that, but you know if this if this is your quarterback and you you know, want to keep him for four or five years. Let's not let's not rush it. I think it's kind of mm-hmm. stupid to me, especially with the way that the Eagles are looking. Man, they're looking Ooh. dangerous. Yeah, I actually tweeted out earlier today that 
My current Super Bowl matchup, I think it'll be the Eagles and the Chiefs. And I don't, I don't necessarily think you're wrong. I don't know about the Chiefs entirely, but the Eagles look nasty. They look, they are, mm-hmm. they are playing some really good football right now. They, they're, they look great on all sides of the ball. Defense looks pretty damn stout. Like I said last week on the podcast when we were talking about the Vikings Eagles matchup, I said that the Eagles DBs can contain Justin Jefferson, and what happened? Put Darius Slay on him, and he catches more balls than Justin Jefferson when they're guarding each other. Hey, I, I mean, I, I'll give you, I'll give you your victory lap, and and you weren't wrong, but Kirk Cousins, that one in the end zone was a fucking terrible throw. I don't know what the fuck Kirk Cousins was doing. Hats off to the Eagles defense; they played great. They played great. And that offense, led by Jalen Hurts, looked spectacular. I yeah, saw the stat that he's only the second Eagles quarterback ever to have. 300, I forget the exact stat, but something about 300 total yards passing and rushing and two-plus touchdowns. And the only other person was Mike Vick. No, that speaks a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, the, Eagles, the, the Eagles offense, I mean, it looks like just a well-oiled machine as well. Not quite on the same level as the Bills. The, right. the Bills are in a category of their own offensively. Yeah, but, they're... You know, I mean, Jalen Jalen had, I think, two rushing touchdowns. And then you had good old boy Miles Sanders who rushed for almost, I think he was 80 yards on like 17 carries. Really efficient. He didn't, you know, Jalen was the only one that had a rushing touchdown. But, you know, Devontae Smith showed up. He caught seven of seven. He had seven targets at seven receptions for, I think it was, again, like 70, 80 yards. I mean, they just, they just look really, they look good, man. And that was the impressive thing to me that he wasn't the A.J. Brown show. Yeah, because A.J. only caught five of eight. Smitty was involved. Cotter was involved. The run game was humming. Goes to show that they can be versatile. Even though they're low-volume pass offense, Hurts can <clears> spread <throat> the ball around. He's not locked in on A.J. Brown. Which we probably thought was the case because last week A.J. Brown went the fuck off. And Devontae Smith had four targets and no catches. Oh, I, I, I was worried. I, I was worried. buying plenty of Devontae Smith <clears throat> this past week using that narrative that he ain't shit right now. A.J. Brown's his Hurts guy. Devontae's not going to do much. I tried buying him everywhere no with hunt. that narrative. and I got one negotiation still ongoing, but it's not looking too bright, especially after last night's game. But the Jalen Hurts touchdown run where he carried like three, four guys to the end zone. Yeah, that, that I was impressed with that. He made like two guys miss before that too, behind the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. And then because they were on like the three or four weren't they? Yeah. And then he made like two two guys miss before getting back to the line of scrimmage, past the line of scrimmage, and only gained a yard, then was basically gang-tackled and carried, yeah, like two or three guys in from like the two-yard line, three-yard line, and scored a touch. I was impressed. We all know Jalen Hurts is a running quarterback, but I, I don't think I've ever seen him run with power like that. I always kind of thought he was just, you know, like your typical mobile quarterback who's got some pretty good wheels for a quarterback. All right, get what you can, get out, get down, but now he's... He will run your ass over. He is pretty pretty thick. He's a thick, uh, he's, thick he's, young man. He's stout, but I didn't take him as like a Josh Allen, get the fuck off me, you know, type of guy like that. But he... Apparently he has that gear. He he looked good, man. I mean, I I like I like Jalen coming out. I wasn't as high on him as you. I, I had him, you know, like we, we always try. We always were comparing him kind of to Lamar. You know, Lamar athletically is... Again, in a tier of his own. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Passing-wise, Jalen has him, for sure, in my opinion. Lamar is a a good passer in his own right, but I think Jalen 
beats the brakes off him when it comes to passing. But, I mean, Jalen, I, I think he's, to, to me, I think the Dynasty community, again, was wrong. I mean, this guy is great for fantasy, and I think the Eagles finally building around him on the offensive side of the ball, they might have something going on great in Philly. We might see, you know, that Carson Wentz season all over again, you know. I wouldn't be surprised. That team looks fucking good. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I've been on Jalen Hurts since day one. I've been saying since then, at least you and I talking, that I think he can produce top five quarterback numbers. And what did he do last year? Top five fantasy numbers. Mm-hmm. And and I remember you made a trade in one of our leagues before that. He was just a throw-in. And then guys yeah. were bitching because he got the starting job when Carson Wentz left. And guys were – or I think he started – he started. did he start when Carson was still there? Yeah, I believe so. But regardless, guys were yeah. bitching because they were like, I can't believe you got him as a throw-in, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, D- do your homework. You know, if you like a guy, get him as a throw-in, and if it fucking pans out, it pans out. Yeah, Which, looking, looking back at the trade, now it looks fucking great because, I mean, you, you walked away with a, arguably a top-five dynasty quarterback, at least production-wise. For nothing. And I, I remember that For trade. Nothing. I made it like week two or three. I know it was still in September, so it was nowhere near Hurts even talking about seeing the damn field. No, no, Car- that was, Jalen Hurts was just an afterthought in case Carson Wentz got hurt again is all he was. Mm-hmm. Just a typical case of did my research, did my homework, fell in love with the guy and his profile, go get him. Go get him before they bust, or sorry, not bust, definitely don't do that. But go get him before they boom, before they break out. You Sometimes you just, like you said, it, he was a throw in, but... To me, he was a main target in that deal. It's just the other person. The other guy, he was just a throw, and he's like, fuck yeah, take him. And you're like, that's who I wanted. And that's who I was coming after. You just don't realize it because you're playing checkers and I'm playing chess. Yeah, I'm, I'm fully hashtag get your guy. No matter the format, draft, trade, if you believe in a player, get off your ass, go get him. Obviously, don't cripple your team or nothing stupid, but... You can obtain your guy for a price that you're okay with. Forget what everybody else thinks. Who gives a shit? And I Go that's, get your guy. Right. And that's why I hate the narrative of like market value at times because people are like, no, that's above market value. It's like, yeah, but if that's your fucking guy, there's nothing wrong with spending a couple bucks over market to get your guy. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the same thing with everything. You know, market value, like that's a fucking average. You're going to have high, you're going to have low. If it's your guy, go get him. Like you say, as long as you're not... Completely crippling and handcuffing your team for the future. Get your dude. And when it works out in a situation like this, who cares if you ever paid slightly or overpaid by a second or third round pick? Now you can have your victory lap because now he's sitting there putting up top five quarterback numbers. You don't give a shit about that second or third round pick at this point. Exactly. Do what you got to do to get the guy you believe in. And when they hit, it feels oh so good to have them. Know you got them for cheap. And that if you choose to do so, you could flip them for so much more. Jalen Hurts is a, a perfect example of that, man. I I love the kid, and I think he's doing great things, and Philly is a legit contender. Absolutely. I completely agree with you on that one. But circle back to this trade, since we did go down a damn rabbit hole once again. I would definitely rather have the Russ, E.T., and Waddle in second side. Whether I'm rebuilding or contending, I think that side fits great for both. Again, if I'm rebuilding... I'm not taking on JT. If I'm contending, I'm not giving up Russ to get Dak, especially giving away, excuse me, Waddle and a pick just for JT, to use JT in your lineup. 
I'm in the exact same boat. I, the trade makes no sense for the the person who got Dak and JT. I'm repeating everything you said. JT's a win now piece. Top three highest valued dynasty asset. Dak, you know, Dak and Russ Wilson arguably are a wash. I just I, I can't give up Jalen Waddle ten in a second for Jonathan Taylor. I, I I would love to have any piece of that Miami receiving core. Oh yeah, I, I was down on Tua. I'm back on him before the week. I thought once they got Tyreek, might not work out because Ty- Tua doesn't have the deep ball. At least we all thought. But you give him weapons. He is a deadly accurate quarterback. Their offensive line is upgraded with Taron Taron Armstead protecting Tua's, not his blind side, but protecting Tua's left side. Still very important, even though he's left-handed. He's got arguably one of the best left tackles in the game with Armstead. Gusecki, he's got plenty of weapons out there. They just need some better running running backs to help him out. But they're definitely on the right track so far, and the only team ahead of them is the Buffalo Bills, and you're going to need a shit ton to supplant the Bills and take over that division. But as a wild card team going forward, I can absolutely see them being in the playoffs this year. No question about it. What I've noticed in Tua's game is he, what we talked about a couple weeks ago, where he fixed that front foot when he was making them deep throws, and I think it's really paying dividends for him now. And Tyreek Hill is fucking loving it. I don't think he's missing Patrick Mahomes at all. And Jalen, Tua and, and Tyreek, or <laughs> sorry, Tyreek and Jalen are a hell of a one-two combo, man. They are, I mean, arguably the best duo in football. Well, that's a bit of a spicy take, and that gives me a stupendous idea for next week's I show. I said arguable, though. I didn't say they were. I said, but it's it's definitely a nice take. Oh, we will argue about it in next week's show with the idea rolling in my head now. Don't worry about that. <laughs> but I can't completely disagree with you. I would definitely have them. They're up there. They're up there, absolutely. I, off the top of my head right now, I don't know exactly where I'd put them, but if I have them even on my fantasy team as a duo, I'm super happy. Oh, if I have the triple stack of two and those two... I don't think I'm losing this year, man. I'd have a hard time thinking that. It's hard, especially if they can do even half of what they did last week. I mean, Jalen and Tyreek put up 40-plus apiece. And then you look at what Tua did. What Tua had. Did he, he led the... Was Depending he on your scoring format, he was second in QBs which I did tweet out some graphics of the leaders this week, so check out the Twitter page at DFT Podcast for that. But he had, about, I believe, 38 points and standard four-point passing touchdown, depending on your format. He had more. I know in my particular scoring that I have set up in most of our leagues, he dropped a 50-burger. So he was definitely a game-breaker this past week. Even standard scoring at PPR, if they can do half of what they did on most leagues, you're talking... 40 points from your wide receivers, and then another close to 20 from your quarterback. Now you're talking 60 points on a somewhat slow league for what is, seems like it's becoming a regular for this Dolphins team. That's pretty damn good for three three positions. Yeah, three positions, you get almost 60 points, depending on how many you start. If you're starting 10 or 11 like most of our leagues, you're sitting pretty already. Yeah, you've got a leg up, that's for sure. But out of our trading segment, on to what we're going to talk about next. Just in general... Some of the big names from this week that we want to touch on, some of their values, what we're doing with them in our leagues currently. Of course, the biggest news out of the week is probably the unfortunate injury to Trey Lance. 
Lance is done for the season with a broken and dislocated ankle. However, it was not a compound fracture like Dak Prescott's. So, injury outlook-wise, he is in a better position than what Dak was. I saw that he will have at least five to six months of rehab alone. Hopefully, he'll be back for OTAs and ready for the start of next season. But, unfortunately, he'll be going into his third year. He'll have less than 150 pass attempts and what, three, four, five starts, if that. Yeah. So, his experience going into his third year will not be optimal. Plus, with his college experience... And he really hasn't played football by the time next year comes around for what? He's, he's three, played, four years? You know, he, he played, what, one year at North Dakota State and then, you know, rookie year, hardly played. Second year. Well, they, he had the COVID year at North Dakota State. Well, that's what I mean, though. So you had North Dakota State, nothing. Rookie year, hardly anything. Now this year, I mean, so in... In five years' time, you know, it'll be start of fifth year next year when he's hopefully back. He'll have one year of competitive football under his belt, and it's it's going to be North Dakota State. You know, I um, you know, I hope the best for him. I I saw the same thing that you saw. You know, like a five to six month rehab. Um, Unlike you say, unlike Dak Prescott, hopefully he'll be able to come back and still have that rushing upside. Uh, to me, the the bad thing for Lance is that they still have Jimmy G, and that team is still really fucking good without having Trey Lance. Not saying he should really have anything to worry about, but if he comes back and doesn't immediately produce, because let's not forget what they spent up for him in draft capital it might not be out of the realm of possibility that if he doesn't come back and take off them in the first three or four games that, you know, he might be on his way out as well. But kind of reiterating, similar to what you say, uh, Trey Lance, you know, going into year three, coming off of a pretty serious ankle injury and really not having anything to show for it just yet. I, I still think his ceiling's the moon, his arm talent, is amazing, and then his rushing upside. I mean, fantasy-wise, you really couldn't ask for much more other than like a Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson type of guy. Um, I, I just concerned because of lack of production so far. Hopefully he comes out and lights it up next year. So currently, if you have Trey Lance in any of your leagues, what we, what's your plan to do with him as of this moment? If I had Trey Lance, I probably have a fair bit into him. You know, so I, I I guess again I hate keep coming back to saying like it depends on team makeup, but I think you hold on to him fucking regardless. I think he's got the talent, and he to me he's he's like that fucking guy. I'm holding on to him unless you blow me away with a trade offer. In yeah. a trade offer, I mean you'd have to give like three plus three first plus for me to move him. Well, that's fucking outrageous. Three first plus for... That's what I'm saying. Like, like you'd have to fucking blow my socks off. Otherwise, I'm keeping him. I I think he's... I mean, like, the sky's the limit for this kid. I I rode on your jetpack, and you, you called Patrick Mahomes before Patrick Mahomes was Patrick Mahomes, and you were like, this kid is 
fantasy wise is the next Patrick Mahomes, and I finally do you know start doing some digging and watching some game tape. You know, although he only had one year in college of you know film, like it's I keep saying all the tools in the toolbox, but he's got fucking every tool. The arm is amazing. His deep ball accuracy is great, and just the the rushing upside. I mean, he's quarterbacks with rushing upside just have a leg up on everybody else. You know, you guys like Josh Allen, Lamar. I mean, they just they're Jalen Hurts now. Their rushing ability just puts them in a whole nother tier of quarterback. Yeah, that is true. I mean, I'm probably in the same boat. I'm holding them either way. I don't see if you're contending and you're counting on him as at least QB two. I don't think you're going to get anything worthwhile to plug into your QB two spot, especially from a team that is rebuilding. They probably don't have anybody worthwhile at this point anyways. If you are rebuilding, I guess you could re-roll into a first, maybe two if you're lucky, if you're really not high on them. But personally, I'd rather just keep them instead of getting a first and re-rolling on maybe a Will Levis or Anthony Richardson, depending on what happens with him. I'd rather just keep Trey Lance and see what happens. The talent's there. He's on a good team, a good system. Unfortunately, Shanahan just likes to run these quarterbacks and running backs into the dirt. Just something about 49ers that everyone just gets hurt. Yeah, that that team in general just can't stay healthy. I mean, we look at Kittle in the past. About every fucking running back they've had in the past under Shanahan's been hurt. Kind of like you say, the the best thing, I mean, I love Trey Lance as a prospect, but the the team that's around him, it just, to me, it just gives me fucking hope. There's weapons on every level. There's playmakers at every level. Um, I, it sucks because him and Brandon Ayuk seem to really have something going on in the preseason and the offseason. I haven't really seen it yet. You know, week one was in a fucking monsoon with the Bears. You're not going to pass the ball. And then he gets hurt early in week two. And to be honest, he was looking good. I mean, he only had like three pass attempts, but he was, he was looking like a pretty competent quarterback in that short little stretch that I saw him. In week two, the sad thing is their offensive line is pretty good. I mean, they got two probably top five offensive linemen at their position. Trent Williams is, in my opinion, by far the best left tackle in the game, protecting his blind side. Shanahan just needs to quit with all the fucking design runs, using his ass as a goddamn fullback, and just let him naturally work through his progressions, run when it's needed. Just sit behind that massive offensive line and pick apart the defense. Just let him learn. I, I, again, Trey Lance's upside is his rushing ability, and we love to see it. I don't want him taking unnecessary contact. Shanahan makes it a fucking, it's, it's a staple of his to have a running back by committee. Use your fucking running backs. You know, keep the defense honest. Every once in a while, zone read, Trey Lance keeps it, but get the fuck down. And I would be reiterating that in Trey Lance's head. Get down or get out of bounds. I don't want you taking any unnecessary shots because, you know, you look at the past. We've seen, you know, guys of Shanahan's in the past, quarterbacks that have gotten hurt and careers shortened due to unnecessary hits. I, I hate to see it because I love Trey Lance, man. I, I really do. And I know that when I talked earlier, like three first plus, like, Nobody in their right fucking mind would offer that. And I know his value's down because he hasn't produced, and I get it, his market value, and with the injury, his market value's way down. But, I mean, you're going to have to fucking blow my socks off to get him from me. Mm-hmm. 
And if I had him, he's not. He wouldn't be my. He's probably not my QB one unless it was a startup. Right. If if I ha- if I had acquired him in the rookie draft, he's not. He's on my team. He's not my QB one. I we play in super flex leagues. I've probably got three, four quarterbacks anyways. So losing him, I mean, it hurts. But he hasn't produced anything, so it's hard to say it really hurts me. He's probably my QB two, QB three. So, I mean, look at the box score. He had three attempts, like you said, passing. He also had three rush attempts already. I know at least two of the two of those were designed runs. Why the fuck are you drawing up designed runs so early in the game for him? He shouldn't be 50-50 pass rush attempts. It should not be that way. He shouldn't be getting hit that much, especially early in the game. And you're playing the Seahawks, an inferior opponent. Use your 68 running backs that you roster. Debo. And- Exactly. You're going to use Debo in the run game. I know Kittle was out and is still injured, but pitch it out there that Ayuk. You got a couple of other receivers they work in. Pitch it out there to Debo. He just doesn't need to be running the damn ball, especially so much that so early. early. Yeah. I, m- me personally, like if I was Shanahan, I would want him to be like design runs like five for the game. For the game. Not in the first fucking quarter for the game. And personally, I'm not drawing up a run unless it's to give me a first down in a very needed situation. Third and two late in the game, I'm down. I get it. Mm -hmm. Second and eight early in the fucking game? No. That's fucking stupid. Don't get me wrong. Shanahan's an excellent coach. But he, he, he does... Anybody that runs the ball, he drives them to the fucking ground. Unfortunately, he does. But very quickly here, say you're offered... Mac Jones and a mid-23 first for Trey Lance. No matter the bill, just in a vacuum right now. Would you take that offer? Get out from under the risk of Lance? Somebody is safe quarterback two, plus a mid-pick next year? No. Um, like you, I, I like the risky guys. I love Trey Lance's ceiling and the the potential of him being I mean I think he's got the potential to be a top five fantasy quarterback Mac Jones I I loved him coming out he was the most pro ready quarterback coming out last year I think anybody with half a brain knew that Um, and in his own right is a is a good quarterback but you know as long as he's in New England with Belichick they're not going to put weapons around him it, that that team is going to win based on their defense. He's he's not going to put up. I mean, he he might be a a mid tier QB two, you know, right right around the middle of the pack every year, which good in its own right. But Trey Lance has a potential to be a top five quarterback. I don't think I could do it. And on to our next quarterback for this week, kind of in a negative light. Joe Burrow. Is it time to panic, or are we still worried? As a Bengals fan and big Joe Burrow stand, I'm actually pretty worried. I know the Cowboys have a good defense to Marcus Lawrence, Micah Parsons rushing the passer, but he's had, I think I saw 13 sacks in two weeks already. He's He was sacked 51 times last year, and I saw a stat that he's on pace to be sacked 110 times this year, mm-hmm. and that O-line was supposed to be head and shoulders better than last year. As we talked about last week, maybe it's just a chemistry thing. But I expected I expected the Bengals to blow out the Cowboys in all seriousness. I thought they would dog walk him back up to Cincinnati. It 
didn't play out that way. I thought Cooper Rush wasn't going to show out very well. I thought our defense would bowl up like they have in the past and have a dominant performance. It just didn't happen. Burr was constantly under pressure. You know, again, getting sacked. Micah Parsons again, two sacks. Side note, I think he'll be defensive player of the year this year and lead the league in sacks. So I can understand him getting in there. But I, I didn't see any improvement from the offensive line from week one to week two. We still look like shit. Burrow doesn't have time. And yes, at times it is Burrow's fault. He doesn't get rid of it quick enough. But majority of the time, he doesn't have the time to let these mid to deep routes develop with Chase and Higgins. And I don't know if I would necessarily be panicking with Joe Burrow. I think a lot of the problem is that offensive line. I mean, I mean, quite frankly, sucking right now. They are not playing good at all. Not a single one of them by themselves or as a unit. Um, the, the rushing game's really not getting going. I mean, Mixon's doing okay, but he's done okay his whole career with the fucking terrible lines. It's it's rinse and repeat. Um, the, you know, last year is kind of the same thing, but the Burrow, you know, first four or five games did not look like a top eight dynasty quarterback. He didn't look good. He threw, you know, he had a, quite a few interceptions in that first half last year. Um, it's kind of the same thing this year. But he threw four picks week one, and then he threw two or three this last week. I mean, he threw a couple, I thought. Um, again, though, like you say, the Cowboys' defense is pretty good. Trayvon Diggs, the way he's playing, he's 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 not getting beat on them double moves. He's... he's playing on the receiver and not the quarterback anymore, which is great. I'm a Cowboys fan. Like you, I didn't think the Cowboys stood a fucking flying chance in hell to beat them. I didn't have any expectations. I, I literally thought you guys were going to walk in and beat us by 21. I didn't. Coming away with three-point victory, I'm fucking over the moon. And I can see why Jerry Jones want, or Stephen Jones wants Dak back so bad. But if you're beating the Bengals, who people, you know, I think coming into the season, they were like had the sixth best odds to go back and win the Super Bowl. You, I mean, you beat that team, I mean, without your starting quarterback. I mean, I'd be pretty fucking happy. Let's just roll this out and not bring Dak back too quick. But getting back to Joe Burrow, I'm completely in agreement with you because we, we know what Jamar Chase is. He's you got to let them deep routes develop, and the offensive line just not giving him time. And when you don't give him time, he doesn't go into his next progressions, and then he forces the ball. You know, forcing the ball is a problem in itself, but when you keep getting fucking hit, you know, you got 11 sacks in two games, you just – what do you expect the guy to do? You know, I, I, I wouldn't. I don't think I'd sell him. But you, you need to temper expectations and realize that you know maybe he's going to be a low end QB one, high end QB two, and that's about the best you're gonna get out of him. Now, if you have Burrow, he's most likely your QB one on your team, and you're contending. Right. It's just. It's about as bad as Aaron Rodgers, if not worse, in my opinion, right now for his fantasy production-wise. It, it is, but it sucks because Burrow's got weapons, that's, whereas that's, Aaron Rodgers does not. Yeah, but you know Aaron Rodgers. Make chicken salad out of chicken shit in a hurry. I'm probably not selling Burrow either, especially right now. It's a buy-low time for Burrow, but I'm definitely panicking just a little bit having him as my QB1 on a couple of teams that I was hoping to contend on this year. Who knows when this offensive line is going to get their shit together and keep him upright and so he can hit the weapons going downfield. But hopefully it's 
sooner rather than later, or it's going to be a very disappointing season for the Bengals overall, including probably more so T. Higgins than Jamar Chase. Joe Mixon, stat-wise, he hasn't looked what I was expecting him to do. I thought he would have his best season yet behind this line. It's just not working out, unfortunately. But another player in the same game, C.D. Lamb. C.D. Lamb is constantly touted as this top five dynasty receiver, but he's never finished anything close to a top five wide receiver. Quite frankly, I'm not understanding why us as a dynasty community is keeping him so fucking high up on the pedestal when he's not producing that. I, I don't get it either because in you know PPR formats, I don't think he's finished better than like wide receiver 19, but I almost everybody, yeah, like you say, has got him as like a top five dynasty wide receiver. Uh, honestly, I, I don't get it either. Uh, I think we talked about it last week, you know, uh, losing Amari Cooper. I think Amari Cooper was the one that was opening up or opening it up so CD could do what he did when he got the ball, you know, after catch. Um, now that CD is the wide receiver one on the Cowboys, it, I mean, he's he's got a terrible case of the, you know, dropsies, fucking rocks for hands, you know. But, I mean, when the ball does get in his hands, I mean, it's exciting to see what he can do. But, again, he, you know, Dak Prescott's out, so he's got a backup quarterback throwing to him. He did a little better this week. I think he had seven catches on like eight targets for seventy yards, seventy-five yards. So he, I mean, he, it was better than last week. Last week he, or week one, he looked like shit. But uh, I don't get. At this point, you gotta. He's got to be able to produce at a top ten wide receiver level to even be considered top five dynasty wide receiver, and he hasn't done it yet. I don't. I don't get where people get off saying he's still top five when, frankly, he hasn't done it. He hasn't proven it yet. I mean, we could we could be saying the same thing about DJ Moore, who's finished better than him every single year, but I don't think anybody has him as a top five dynasty wide receiver. No, and he's had it with him, and he's had it with a way worse quarterback. You could argue and say that Baker Mayfield's the best quarterback he's fucking had in his career. And that's saying something. It's a lot. I mean, I think as of right now, CD when I update my rankings again later this week, I think he just might be on the outside looking in of top ten receivers for dynasty. Uh, yeah. I just can't rationalize having him top five, honestly, even top eight at this point. There's just so many other receivers within his age range on good offenses as well with good quarterbacks that are producing way better than him and more consistently. I, honestly, at this point, I'd probably rather have the sun god St. Brown over C.D. Lamb right now. I, the, the thing about the sun god is he's he's consistent. And he's been doing it. You know, we're going on year two, and he's still producing at an extremely high level. You know, he just had a fucking a game of his fucking career, and who's to say he doesn't do it a couple more times this year? You know, Jameson Williams not being there, he is the fucking guy, and he's doing it now that he's got Hawk and DeAndre Swift back there. You know, Jared Goff, and I mean, it's just like it's a perfect match made in heaven. But, no, I... When I do my rankings, I think I'm going to have CD. I mean, not even top 10. I, he probably won't even be in my top 12. You know, I, I just have a hard time. I, and that's coming from a Cowboy fan. I love the Cowboys. But, I mean, he's he's had good games, and he's kind of boomer bust here and there. Um, but, you know, to me, it's, it's all, to me, it's more about consistency. The 30-point the games are fucking sweet, yeah. But then you kill me when you go out there and get three. 
you know, or eight. It, it drives me nuts. You know, it was like me with Julio years ago. You know, you you, you knew that he was going to fucking boom or bust. And it seemed like he always boomed. You didn't even fucking boom. And then when you were hoping to get 20 out of him, he'd fucking bust and get you nothing. You know, I, I love CD. I, you know, I, I think he could he could still be a top 10 dynasty wide receiver. But right now, he has done nothing to garnish that top 10 ranking. Yeah, I definitely agree. It's with you there. He's just, he's not getting it done production-wise. And in his third year, I'd like to see a hell of a lot more out of him. And like you said earlier, best PPR finish he's had is wide receiver 19. But yeah, we all say he's the top five dynasty receiver. It just, it doesn't add up to me. I can't have him up there that high anymore. He's He has to prove himself, in my opinion. He has to put up that bona fide wide receiver one season and look damn good doing it. But on to another pass-catching weapon that is, to say the least, underperforming. My guy, Kyle Pitts. He's had two receptions for 19 yards in each game. It doesn't look like he's really being schemed into the offense a whole hell of a lot. I've seen at times he's had issues getting separation, but it just doesn't look like they're looking for him and he's not a vocal point. Drake London has looked fucking phenomenal, way better than what most people thought he would look this early. Still wide receiver one out of his class, and if he could go higher, he would go higher. But he's definitely soaring up the rankings, especially production. He's proving it already. He's been consistent for two games now. He's definitely Mariota's guy in that offense. Unfortunately for Kyle Pitts, that's the case. And I saw Arthur Smith, in my opinion, just flat-out ignorant fucking comments. About the fantasy. We're not playing fantasy football. Yeah, we're trying we're, we're trying to win football games. Well, Arthur Smith, you're not fucking winning, and you're not using Kyle fucking Pitts. He spent the fourth overall pick on. Use him properly. He, Arthur Smith was a tight end coach. I don't know what the fuck he's doing, and... It's pissing me off at this point as a big Kyle Pitts guy. I have him on 95% of my dynasty teams. I went out and got that man every single place that I could. You and I made at least one trade to give me Kyle Pitts at a rookie draft, and I paid out the ass back then for it. And quite frankly, it's looking like I'm getting the better end of the deal right now, and the best player I got was fucking Miles Sanders. Yeah, lucky you. I did that in every league. I got picks to get him. Had three auction drafts this year. Every single one, unshamefully, I spent at least a quarter of my budget at each one on Kyle Pitts. All tight end premium leagues, of course. But still, I've spent up for this guy everywhere. And Arthur Smith to say, oh, this isn't fantasy. We're trying to win football games. But you're not winning. I mean, that, So that, why not change it and use him to the best of his abilities and what you spent the fourth pick on? You passed on Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddell, Penny Sewell. You passed on a quarterback at that point. You passed on so many players that are doing well NFL-wise and fantasy that could be helping you win games, but the unicorn tight end that you spent the pick on, you're not using him the right way. You're not using him for shit right now. He, What is it? Cordero Hodges is out there getting fucking more run than Kyle Pitts and getting looked at more by Mariota. And that's just sad. The fact that Arthur Smith came out and said that should tell you where he's at in his fucking head. He's not fucking right. You know, I honestly thought that him being a tight end coach, 
it, it, to me, again, it seemed like almost like a perfect storm type thing because look at Mar Marcus Mariota, what he did with Delaney Walker and aging Delaney Walker. Delaney Walker finished like back-to-back -back seasons as a top five fucking tight end. I don't get why Pitts can't be that. I mean, most people have Kyle Pitts top three dynasty tight ends. I personally have him as tight end one. I know you do too. You're about as big as a Kyle Pitts stand as there is, and I'm not far behind you. I love Kyle Pitts. I'm also I also love Drake London, so I'm not mad that Drake London's getting you know he's a part he's a focal point of the offense. But why wouldn't you use both fucking guys? It makes no sense. You could have them. I mean, you don't have to fucking put Kyle Pitts on tight end. Fucking put him on you know put fucking Drake London on the right and Kyle Pitts on the left and fucking let them do whatever the fuck you want. You know because Kyle Pitts is basically the same fucking body type as Drake London. Why why not utilize him? The same way you're using Drake London. To me, it makes absolutely no sense. It, I mean, something has to change. Arthur Smith needs to either change his game plan or they need to find somebody else to be a head coach. It, it makes no sense. I'm still high on Kyle Pitts. I think he'll be just fine. But fantasy-wise, I'd I'd be pissed. I'd be in your boat. I'd be, I don't have the same amount of shares you do. I've got him in a couple leagues. But I would I, in the leagues I have him, I'm fucking pissed. Yeah, um, I agree, but... Not selling by any means. No, 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 no. He's damn near untouchable. He's untouchable in a tight end premium league. If I've got him, I'm not fucking letting him go. Uh, not even haven't had an inkling of selling him. He'll get right at some point. Who knows when the hell that'll be? But you know, like you, your famous quote on this damn show is "the cream rises to the top." Well, Kyle Pitts has got all the fucking cream you could ask for in a tight end. He'll get there eventually. From the comments I've seen from him, he has no frustration, nothing negative to say in regards to his role in the offense. Very PC, not pissing anybody off with what he's saying. So if he's not upset yet, as we've seen in the past, these NFL players, they if they're that pissed off and upset, they will express it one way or another. Although that doesn't seem to be Kyle Pitt's demeanor. But... Maybe they're just bringing it along slowly, seeing what they got in Drake London, see if he is that number one that they drafted him to be. But again, that's what the hell you drafted Kyle Pitts for, and that was Arthur Smith's first draft pick. So what the hell are you doing, Arthur Smith? I mean, I think Drake London has lived up to the wide receiver one. I've I've got Drake London in more leagues than I have Pitts. Uh, Drake London looks great. I think he's producing at a at a higher level than I thought he would coming out. Um, you know, I think I think the the two wide receivers most people were debating between was uh, Traylon Burks and and Kyle Pitts or not Kyle Pitts. I'm sorry, Drake London. And to me, Drake London just he looks like the fuck. He looks like the guy. He looks like the wide receiver one coming out of this class. Jameson Williams might have something to say about that next year, but right now, Drake London looks like the guy. I don't see why you don't make Kyle Pitts a focal point of the offense. You know what you got with Drake London. It makes no sense, and hopefully. We'll see progression, better usage out of Kyle Pitts going forward. But he did mention this rookie class. The 10th overall pick, Garrett Wilson, had a very big week, about 30, around 30 points, depending on your format. What did you think of his week? I know I was very surprised, to say the least, for him to put something on the board like that this early, especially with Joe Flacco. I think that Joe Flacco was playing well above expectations for him right now. If my memory serves correct, I think he's third in the league in passing yards. 
which is fucking crazy. Because I think it's, uh, it might be second. Is it Tua? I'm not sure. It's, it's Tua and Flacco and somebody else top three. It's it's stupid. But anyways, no, I'm, I'm very surprised because Garrett Wilson didn't, I don't think he had the preseason of what people were expecting him to have. He, you know, didn't. It kind of figured it'd be, you know, four or five weeks in before he really had a, a significant fantasy outing. You know, get get used to the offense, get, get into the swing of things, and then plus not being out there with Zach Wilson, you know, who's to say when? But, yeah, he had a fucking hell of a game, man. He had, what, like 138 yards and two tutties? Mm-hmm. He had a hell of a game. And, you know, I mean, I'm not just saying that because I'm a Ohio State fan, but he, he did good. He had a fucking hell of a game. And... The colossal downfall of the Browns to lose that game, man. That's fucking crazy. That's just the Browns. The Browns are Browning. But, yeah, he, he had a good game, man. I mean, he's he's got, you know, for his body type, I mean, he, he can do it all. He's I remember him coming out of Texas when he was recruited to go to Ohio State. I love the fucking kid. And then he came out and showed out his freshman year, and it's just he's just skyrocketed. He skyrocketed since then. I think he's got all the ability in the world to be a wide receiver one. And I think this is just a, a showcase of his ability to about do fucking everything. He looked he looked phenomenal. I've compared him to the way he plays and controls his body and goes up. He reminds me of C.D. Lamb. I think at this point I'd probably rather have Garrett Wilson over C.D. Lamb. And the good thing about Garrett Wilson is he's got hands. Yeah, he does have way better hands than C.D. Lamb, I'd say, at this point. Currently, I would probably pay a pretty penny for Garrett Wilson. Of course, if you drafted him, you probably drafted him in the first round of your rookie drafts, and you're probably not giving him up, especially after he popped. But I'd pay a first plus for him easily, a first and something usable, something nice. Yeah, that's that's about where I'd draw the line if I were trying to acquire him. And same thing, if I already had him, not selling him, especially after last week. I mean, depending on your PPR formats, I know for us, our usual PPR formats tiered 0.5 for running back, 1 for wide receivers, and usually 1.5 for tight end. But I know in a lot of formats, people don't want to pay two first or more for wide receivers. So it's really hard to go out and acquire these young wide receivers once they've shown out like Garrett Wilson when you're not willing to pay such a high price for him. I'd have I'd have a hard time paying two firsts for a wide receiver that's not like a top four dynasty wide receiver, and Garrett Wilson is not that. Um, so to me, a, a first plus something usable is I mean absolute max for Garrett Wilson. And if you're coming to me as the Jamar Chase, C.D. Lamb, Justin Jefferson, AJ, AJ Brown, Brown, sorry, not C.D. Lamb, that was an accident. Yeah, J.J. Jamar, A.J. Brown, I'm not. Not negotiating for just two first. I want more than that. That's I mean, uh, uh, them three guys. I mean, them them three are in a tier of their own. Same thing. It's gonna have to be more than two first. Mm-hmm. But on to one guy that you just you had to talk about this week. Your boy, former MVP Carson Wentz. What do you want to say about your guy Wentz? Well, I, I mean, starting off, I mean, he's looking he's looking really good. If you've got him, he's probably not your QB1, and you are sitting there ecstatic because he's putting up fucking QB1 numbers. He looks great. He's looking like former, you know, the the year he got hurt and he won Super Bowl. He's looking like that again. His biggest knock has always been, like, 
locker room stuff. You know, he's the fucking cancer to the locker room, and he's basically arrogant, and nobody likes him. And maybe he finally got his head out of his ass because he was with the Colts last year, and he had the same problem with the Colts. And uh, to me, it seemed, I, I believe, like, you know, word around the block is like, the, the Colts are a super weird organization. They're easy to play for. They're easy to please. You know, if you can get in there and it, at least produce and be productive, it's 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 hard to fuck up and not be wanted there. You know what I mean? Like, the Colts are like a... It's like a family-run organization. You know what I mean? Like, it's... They're, they're just a great organization to play for. You know? Mm-hmm. And then he went to Washington. And, you know, the Washington Commanders, I mean, for years, has been, frankly, a dumpster fire organization. But he's lighting it up. I mean, he's got weapons. He's got Antonio Gibson. He's got Jahan Dotson. He's got, you know, Terry McLaurin. He's got weapons, and he's putting them to use. He looks great. You know, if you like I said, again, if you've got him, you probably don't. He wasn't your QB1. He's probably your QB2 or 3, but he's putting up QB1 numbers. So, he, I mean, I know I've got him in a couple leagues, and he was like my QB3, but he's putting up QB1 numbers. I'm ecstatic. Yeah. And when I say former MVP, course we know he didn't actually win the MVP due to the torn ACL but he was well on his way there and that's the best he's ever looked by far maybe he's coming back to form but I think the Colts also last year they tried to mask Carson Wentz and his deficiencies whereas Washington's just saying fuck it go out there and play. Uh, Carson Wentz last year with the Colts actually had a a, a very under the radar, great season. He had like twenty four throwing touchdowns and like six interceptions. His, I mean, his intercept, his touchdown interception ratio was like top of the league last year. He but just had some ugly ass interceptions. Yeah, the very when, when they're when they're bad, they're fucking bad. And then you also have Jonathan Taylor, so you know you get masked by him as well. And they just they didn't hand them the keys to the car. No, no, and Washington has, and I mean, he's looked great. He's looked good, you know, and yeah, like you said. It, he was in MVP form. I think he only played 12 games or 13 games before he got hurt, but he was well on his fucking way to the MVP if he stayed healthy. I, mean, I know. I believe I said last week I'd be selling him for a second if I can get him. I've changed my tune. I'm probably holding him because, like you said, he's definitely not a quarterback one on anybody's roster. He's your quarterback two or three, and he's hitting like a top five quarterback. I probably I don't have him on any teams, unfortunately, but if I did this point i'm probably riding it for as long as it goes get all that production get these early wins get ahead because again he wasn't your penciled in qb2 coming into the year right so i'm assuming most people that are playing him have decent options to replace him with if and when it does go down and probably don't have a whole lot into him unless unless the league's been around for a little while so i I mean i definitely i think that you you keep him and take this fucking high as long as it goes because, like you say, you probably had him as a QB2 or QB3, so you've already got better options in front of him. But and he's nobody's producing. really going to give you no, a first plus, two first, four, which no, is what his production be, is. But. Because we know what his ground is. We know what his floor is. It's just his ceiling right now is he's popping at the ceiling. You know? On to our final topic of this episode. The Cam Akers versus Darrell Henderson situation. Uh, we spoke on a little bit earlier, but snap percentage from this past week. Henderson had 56% of the RB snaps. Akers had the remaining 44. Akers had more carries, reception, target, overall yardage. But Hendo did 
more on less touches. He was more efficient on a yards per carry basis. But again, Akers did get more opportunity than Henderson. And from I didn't see that Henderson was nicked up or banged up or anything like that. So I'm just wondering why he was on the field more than Akers. But when Akers was on the field, it seemed like it was for him to be used. He wasn't just out there. Yeah, Akers, I mean, Akers legit had almost double the touches. Akers had 19 touches, Henderson had 10. Akers had 17 runs, two catches, Henderson had 10 runs. And like we said earlier, Henderson had 47 or 49 yards rushing, and Akers had 42 on 17 carries. So efficiency-wise, Henderson fucking killed him. It was like 5 yards to 2.9 yards per carry. Akers had two catches for 18 yards, which has put him over the top for, for yardage and definitely... You know he's he got like I said almost double the touches so he's obviously a focal point of the offense when he's in the game. So you know the, to me there's a there's a fine line between efficiency and volume. Um, right now this past game it's, it's Acres was definitely getting the volume, uh, but it, to me at some point they're gonna have to pick between the two who's gonna be your eighty twenty guy. Are you going to go with the efficiency and less touches, or are you going to go with the more touches and hope that he pops? Personally, I'm on the Henderson side, and I know you're not. No, I'm on the Acres side. I'd rather, again, from so far this past week, you know, he's on the field to get touches. doesn't seem like he's being used very much in pass protection. He's being used as a weapon to get something out of him. So hopefully he'll end up as the number one in that committee which I ultimately think, as the season goes on, we'll see those snap percentages get closer and closer with Akers eventually taking over and being the top dog in that backfield. I'm not saying Henderson's going to be phased out. Obviously, like I said earlier, McVeigh typically likes to use an 80-20 split. Even a 70-30 split, I'd be ecstatic with. With Akers was a 70. Henderson, I think, even at the 30, could still be a decent flex play because he is very efficient when he does have the ball in his hands. But my my money's on Akers to win this job at some point this season. I think walking into next season, he will be the unquestioned running back one. Of course, barring his health, if anything happens in the meantime, knock on wood. But that's where I'm at on it. I'm going to try to acquire Akers in the places I don't already have him. His price isn't too terrible from what I've seen. You know, from my Pollard trade, I got Akers and another dart throw running back. I was very happy to pay that. I don't see Pollard as really being superior to Akers by any means. So if I can pay a price similar to that in other leagues, even pay, I'd pay a mid to late second round pick for him happily right now. But what we have to keep in mind is Akers is also just over a year removed from his injury. And we know how Achilles are with running backs medical procedures have come a long way but I'm sure he's still not 100% maybe he's 100% healthy but he's not 100% confident in his self yet you know what they say up to two years before you get full range of motion and ability back for Achilles injuries yeah something along those lines so of course the more he plays the more he's going to feel comfortable and then he's going to have to take a couple you know it's the same thing like what Burrow went through last year with the knee thing he's going to have to take a couple shots shots as in like getting hit you know, it, I think he'll be okay. Um, the, the the big thing that you kind of swayed me on when we were talking about it was that Henderson's 
value right now is probably a lot more than Akers because he's he's getting the touchdowns. He's getting the fantasy value right now. So I can definitely see the argument being made where Akers is like half the price of Henderson. Why not take that chance? Plus he's getting he's getting the work. Um, Henderson's going to be your short yardage back. He might be kind of TD vulture from Akers this year, but Akers is that third down back. You know, if he if it's third down and you need to get a first down, you're going to bring in Akers because he can catch the ball. Mm-hmm. I love Akers too. I, I like both of them personally. I'd rather have Henderson. If I've got Henderson, I would actively go out and try and get Akers as a handcuff, and vice versa. If I have Akers, I would actively go out and try and get Henderson as a handcuff. But what are you paying for Henderson currently? Henderson? Um, I mean, I don't really know what the market value is, but I don't think I'd pay probably 23 first, maybe plus something small. Okay. I know I wouldn't be paying a first for my. I think the general consensus seems to be, yes, he's a good play for now, but I don't think many, I don't think the majority of the community believes he's the answer at running back, that he's going to be the guy for multiple seasons. Because, again, they did draft Henderson the year before Akers, then they drafted Akers for whatever reason and around earlier than what they did Henderson. The real question is, what would you be willing to give up for Akers right now? Uh, willing to give up, I'd be happy with a mid to late second. I'd probably go as high as late 23 first, you know, in the 10 to 12 range. I know most people wouldn't, and definitely consider that an overpayment. But compared to a 23 class, I'd rather take the chance on acres over the guys that I would be looking at in that range. You know, you're likely not looking at a running back of acres pedigree in a situation as good as his. So I'd probably play uh, late 23 first at most. Nothing more, really. I would definitely want to pay mid. But player-wise, I'd pay, you know, Tony Pollard, of course, Elijah Mitchell, uh, Ramondre Stevenson I'd pay, guys in that range. I think we're about on the same pace or same price when it comes to acquiring either of these guys. We're just on the opposite side of the fence on which guy we'd rather have. Yeah, I mean, personally, I wouldn't be acquiring Henderson. I feel like he's a tough value to gauge right now. If you have him, you're happy with him. You're probably not moving him for anything less than a first, and you're probably not buying him for a first. But I bought him off you last season in one league like a sucker, and once I bought him, went downhill. Yeah, I think when you bought him, he was like running back 10 in our scoring, and then I think he finished like running back 22. Yeah, so but you had Cam in that too, right? Wouldn't you had the handcuff, yep. so yeah. it made sense. Yeah. yeah, just a little insurance policy, and I was one now, and I thought, hey, this makes so much sense. I'm gonna go overpay a little bit. Got him and Mike Williams, and well, Mike Williams did what he does, and just fell off the face of the earth after the first half. And I I do know for a fact Mike Williams was wide receiver one when you got him, and I know he didn't finish wide receiver one. That was Cooper Cup. Now, the handful of weeks I had him before I shipped him off for Rashad Bateman, luckily, he, he had no more than five points a week. He yeah. had two that were less than three. So. Yeah, I, I sold Mike Williams to you on a definite high. But, you know, it, Mike Williams does what Mike Williams does. He He's a boomer bust guy. You know, he can go out there and get you 25, 30, but he can also go out there and get you five. Exactly. You take risks like that. You take risk. Like that in fantasy football, you know, risk it to get the biscuit, my friend. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. 
But when it works, oh, it feels so good, and it pays off. And victory laps are sweet, and that's what makes fantasy football beautiful. I mean, kind of even self out in the end. But that'll do it for this week's episode of Dynasty Football Talk. I'm your host, Paul Edgington, with my co-host, Derek Cook. You can find us on Twitter at DFT Podcast. My Twitter is at Gump7285. Derek's is D underscore Cook93. And that is K-O-C-H. Hopefully we'll be seeing you again next week. Good luck in week three, and hopefully we'll get some W's and DFS. Build that bankroll a little bit more. See ya!